Future of Finance podcast, where finance finds its future. Hello, I'm Dominic Cobson, co-founder of Future of Finance. My guests today are Lisa Fall and Jay Fraser, respectively CEO and Director of Strategic Partnerships at BSTX, the Boston-based blockchain integrated exchange that is the first to be fully regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, and licensed by the SEC to operate on a national scale. Lisa, Jay, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks, Dominic. It's great to, great to be in touch and looking forward to our chat today. Thank you. Lisa, perhaps I could throw the first question at you. As I said a minute ago, BSTX has secured a, a national securities license, uh, which is, I think, a first in the United States. How difficult was it to obtain it? Well, I have a lot more gray hairs than I used to. Um, it took about three years to get the approval. Um, we had many conversations with the staff at the SEC. Um, we had three published proposals and many amendments. Um, our first go at this was for full-blown tokenization, um, unleashing the power of smart contracts, um, decentralized settlement. Um, and that was pretty much a non-starter. A, we were a little ahead of our time, I think. And this was at the end of 2018, early 2019. Um, so the proposals shifted over the years, but we're pretty proud of what we accomplished uh, where we have a, a blockchain market data feed that's available to the public. Uh, we'll record the transactions of the exchange on the blockchain. Um, and throughout the process, we really got to understand where the SEC was at certain, um, their level of comfort with um, blockchain, their level of comfort with tokenizations, uh, decentralized clearing, and what they were willing to um, allow and what they weren't comfortable yet. Um, I do think we may have been, like I said, a little ahead of our time for uh, the aggressiveness of the first proposal, but um, we're here and we're proud and we're, we're ready to get started. So a multi-year journey and considerable R&D for, for, for all parties. Can I ask you, what was the attraction of applying uh, to be a trading facility of the BOX exchange rather than a standalone venture? Was it due to funding issues or this long journey <laughs> to get the license uh, or, or just having some backup? Yeah, so um, it sounds silly now, three and a half years later, but uh, we thought it would be quicker. Um, Box Options Exchange has an SRO license. Um, and in the US, those licenses are traditionally um, you two-pronged, you can regulate an options market and you can regulate an equities exchange. And at the time, and still, um, Box was only using its license to regulate an options market. So we kind of had this, this kind of empty um, uh, pillar where we could regulate, we thought, a digital market. Um, and because we weren't, Box wasn't cannibalizing any existing revenue stream because it didn't have an equity exchange, um, we thought, hey, what Box knows is Box knows has to regulate a securities market. We have the relationships with the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission. We have um, the connectivity on the national market systems. We're part of a lot of industry plans and we're exchange operators. And in 2018, we were looking around and, and it seemed like a lot of digital exchanges were coming on and they weren't regulated. And we thought, 
the SEC was going to step in and force these entities to be regulated. And that's where we connected with T0. So T0 was running um, a digital marketplace through an ATS, um, through a common connection. I met with them. They had the te technology, the blockchain know-how, and we had their regulat regulatory experience and knowledge. And it was a perfect fit um, at the time and still is. I mean, they're good partners. T0 is providing the technology for BSDX. Um, Box Exchange is providing the regulatory oversight. So uh, the tenants of the joint venture are still there. Like I said, the reason um, we didn't go it alone or T0 didn't go it alone uh, back in 2018 was we thought it was quicker. And frankly, it probably is. I mean, we, we got a lot of, um, because we know the, the staff at the commission, because we have the infrastructure for the compliance, the regulatory, the surveillance oversight, um, that aspect of the proposal and the filing was pretty seamless. Um, I think you'd have the same challenges if you had gone alone with the blockchain and the tokenization integration that we had early on. And then you would also have the complexity of standing up a, a regulatory program, um, which I think we got to kind of I won't say skip that step, but demonstrate we knew what we were doing um, and we were just taking what we would use to regulate the options market into um, the BSTX market. So I think that part of it was a little smoother than it would have been going along. However long the journey has been, as you look at where you are now, would you say the regulatory status you've achieved is the main distinction between BSTX and what other token exchanges, some of which you've mentioned, have, uh, are doing? Yeah, so why don't I, I start, Jay, and then you can uh, clean up my answer. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah I, I do think. I think having a license from the SEC and SRO, I mean, we would analogize, uh, we would make the comparison. It's like uh, playing in the major leagues versus a farm league. Um, it is regulated. Uh, customers, the public should have a lot of confidence in trading on a venue that has oversight and um, policies and procedures governed by the Securities and Exchange Commission. Um, you have price protection, you have uh, fail safes, you have, um, there's something here called Reg SCI. So you have the integrity of the technology and the backups um, all in place that you might not have on an ATS or an unregulated uh, digital market. Jay, do you wanna? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's that's really the crux of the matter, right? I mean, we're super encouraged to see the success that the digital asset exchanges are having. Now, you know, exchange is a misnomer in a lot of ways, right? Because in, in reality, they're alternative trading um, uh, venues, right? And they're regulated by FINRA. You know, our burden being regulated by SEC uh, is is a much longer uh, is a much longer journey, right? You know, the three of us could set up an ATS uh, with FINRA with you know a very small amount of investment uh, and, and, and almost like a multi-week process. You know, we're looking at a multi-year process, but that affords us um, the ability to attract market makers to the exchange, which are really kind of not a very prevalent in the, in the alternative uh, trading venues for digital securities. And, and secondarily, our scope of investor protection uh, is much heightened under the SEC's watch than it is under FINRA's watch. So we, uh, as, it, as we bring securities to market on our exchange, the, um, 
the investor base that those securities will attract is much, much broader uh, than the alternative trading venues like T0, Rialto, INX, um, and, and the ILK. Um, so that really is, the, and that's a super critical point. The market making and liquidity on, exchange, on a regulated exchange is, is much uh, more structured uh, and beneficial than say on an ATS. You've been very clear, Jay, about, uh, and so have you, Lisa, about the, the obligations this higher status puts you under. But could I ask you about one specific um, obligation? Are you obliged to share prices that you generate through activity on, um, on the exchange with everybody as well as with your participants? Yeah, yeah. we, yeah, we're, I mean, we already have a, a presence in the data center that the major exchanges use to transmit market data. So uh, that's, you know, top of book data that's via private feeds to our market makers and participants, as well as we subscribe to the SIP, which is the de facto, um, uh, you know, it's not completely free, but it's a, um, it's a cheaper way to access market data. Uh, and we will subscribe to both of those. And in addition to that, what's revolutionary about what we're doing, we're also going to transmit uh, price. And uh, at the moment, we're going to transmit price data over the blockchain um, via, and then we're the only exchange who's doing that natively. Solana has a project called the Pith Network, where multiple participants transmit price data over, over chain, on chain, but we're the only exchange doing that. So there's three elements of price discovery for BSTX, private feeds via the data center, the SIP, and blockchain. Now, you mentioned one of the benefits of, of being regulated by the SEC is, is the ability to attract market makers and others. How willing are you finding the, the brokerages? I'm thinking here of the wirehouses in particular. How willing are they to, and you've got a bunch of broker dealers as, as shareholders as well, how willing are those beyond your shareholder group to engage with BSTX? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, uh, Lisa and the rest of the team, myself, you know, we're talking to participants almost every day and they run the gamut. They're the big wirehouses. Uh, and Dominic, that's a great classic term that most of the people in finance today wouldn't even recognize. Right. But, you know, the, the, the big investment banks, uh, in, in addition to the market makers uh, and uh, also issuers, right, both from the, the exchange trade uh, product side uh, and corporate issuers. So, um, again, this is really the, the and we talked about it a few minutes ago, the difference with being under the SEC's purvey gives you the, the trust factor of the, the counterparty uh, with the exchange. It's just is heightened. Right. So we can either engage with people by choice um, by going out to them and everybody engages or we get a lot of inbound. So at least I don't know if you'd add anything to that. You know, you obviously have your own conversations there, too. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've, we've gotten a lot of uh, inbound attention after the approval, but it, it's going to be relatively easy to join um, because of, as you mentioned before, because we, we did this project with Box and the Box license, all those members of the Box exchange, and there's over 50, and they're the big firms you've heard of and you know, um, they really just need to fill out a one-page application. There's not... Um, They've already been through the scrutiny of the exchange uh, for the onboarding process of Box. So we're gonna make it really easy for those uh, participants to be members of BSCX. And in our outreach, um, most of them are excited to join. So we, we think we're gonna have a, a robust uh, participant base when we launch. 
And, and I just add one little extra uh, tidbit to that. Uh, we, we are charting a path to close the gap between the technology that's available every day at crypto exchanges uh, versus what's available at the traditional exchanges. So the participants in the market are super excited to see us drive that, uh, that innovation. Um, so that's another reason that they're interested in being a part of what we're doing in addition to the regular exchange, but also because we're the only ones that are really sitting on the bleeding edge of trying to get these technologies to converge a bit more to the benefit of the participants and the issuer community and the trading community. Um, so we get a lot of goodwill because of that very point. And we're doing it in a, in a manner they're familiar with, right? As Jay mentioned, we're in the data center. Um, DTCC is gonna be doing the clearing. So we're doing it within the guardrails and, and the familiarity um, that, they've, that they're used to. So it's not, I don't wanna say scary, but it's, uh, it feels measured and it feels appropriate uh, for the advancement in the technology that um, everyone can understand and is encouraged to be a part of. Well, I'll, I'll come back to that uh, DZCC point um, in a minute. But before I do that, can we talk a little bit about the, about the shareholders? You, you, you've referred to these already or touched on them, uh, Lisa, both T0 and, um, and Box. Uh, and also, of course, the broker dealers are make up the other the third leg of your shareholder base. Now, each of these groups is, is probably looking for something slightly different. What's the value each of them sees in your mind? Yeah, um, I, for Box, it was expanding, right? It was um, Box's regulating uh, options market very well. Um, and this is new and it was a way to grow the business with something um, we're familiar with and we're, you know, frankly, a subject matter expert on. For T0, it was, as I mentioned before, getting to that big league, kind of getting the legitimacy of the digital asset uh, area. And to be able to, Jay, as Jay said, um, expand, get market makers, um, really push the envelope with digital security. So that was kind of the, the crux. Um, and I think that holds today. I think um, expanding the presence for digital assets is probably T0's um, goal in the partnership and box to expand what they do well. Uh, Jay, uh um, Lisa's explained very clearly uh, what what T Zero expects to get out of the out of this out of this partnership that's going to get them into the big league and so on. But they are, of course, also running a, a marketplace for digital securities themselves. Now, what's the difference between what they're doing in their market and what they're going to be doing in effect through you? So um, you know, you can get, kind of view it as um, a little bit like if you're familiar with the Toronto Ventures Exchange or the AIM Exchange in your own market or Hong Kong Connect. Uh, you know, they're basically bridging the gap between uh, private, you know, small private companies and, and who aren't quite ready for a fully regulated listing standards uh, with the listing standards of fully regulated exchange. So they're important. They're they're providing an important, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, step between those two, uh, you, you know, universes of um of capital markets, right? So what's really great about our partnership is that, you know, we can work together on companies that that move to the next level, right? To grow their business, we're ready for a national uh, listing, but they also want to maintain the, the, the service level that a smaller exchange is affords them, right? 
you know, that, that just doesn't exist, right? If you're a small company and you go public on the American Stock Exchange, uh, and our listing standards are the, around the same as the American Stock Exchange, you're kind of lost in the sauce, right? You know, after day one, you know, you might may or may not have a listing ceremony. And then, you know, you're just part of the furniture there. Uh, you know, T-Zero does a really great job of educating, you know, the, the CFOs and the, the management teams and the board around different ideas for capital raising. Uh, and one of them is a public market listing. Um, but a lot of CFOs have, you know, reservations with the system as it stands today, because again, the small companies just are not, you know, big exchanges work great for big companies. They don't work great for small companies. So T-Zero does a really great job for us introducing the concept of the stages of listing. Um, and, and, and sometimes that's in conjunction with, you know, private equity, right? I mean, this isn't boxing anybody out. That's the beauty of the ecosystem that we're trying to, that we're trying and working to build. Um, it's inclusive. Can I ask you what part the, 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 the technology itself uh, plays in this? And I'm, I'm asking really not so much about the technology as about what it has, what its consequences have been, uh, it, particularly in the, in the cryptocurrency market with the, the ICO boom and bust, which has, uh, I guess, continued in the decentralized finance market. We've had a big boom in non-fungible tokens last year. Something I hear quite a lot from other token exchanges is that actually these developments, coins, DeFi, NFTs, have kind of blighted uh, the market for serious exchanges uh, looking to get security token markets in particular off the ground. Do you feel that that everything that's happened, all those experiments that have gone on since uh, uh, Satoshi published his paper have been helpful or unhelpful? Have they strengthened or weakened the case for an exchange such as the one you're setting up? Yeah, I'll start. And then I think Lisa probably has some thoughts here too. Um, you know, we actually believe that the events of say the last six weeks, I don't want to get into specifics, have actually 100% strengthened the need for more regulatory clarity and, 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 and imprint on this marketplace, right? And I'm using that uh, loosely like you just did, right? NFTs, DAOs, foundations, you know, companies. I mean, the Howey test, if you're familiar with it, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, if you took that and laid it, uh, you know, like a prism on the 19,000 uh, crypto uh, currencies that are listed on the exchanges, you're no doubt going to come up with a bunch of, in, from a classic Howey sense, a bunch of companies, right? Whether or not they call themselves foundations or they're autonomous or whatever. So we actually believe that the growth in the asset class and the struggles in the asset class in the last six weeks have 100% strengthened the need for a BSDX. Um, that's half uh, corporate uh, opinion and half Jay Fraser opinion. So I'll let Lisa round that out, but um, that, that's, how I, that's how I see the landscape uh, for now. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think having the scrutiny of having to go through a listings process, uh, being on an exchange that might have circuit breakers and things like that um, to kind of protect the public investor um, from a wild market swings are all benefits of being on a regulated exchange. And, you know, when we started this process, we really wanted to be first and we really wanted to show, um, you know, the traditional finance world that this was good and this was innovative. And I think the more players in the market helps and it strengthens BSTX's um, calling. And, you know, if it's a, imitations, the sincerest form of flattery, 
um, bring it on. Like, every, you know, all these new marketplaces, they might have good ideas that we can integrate into our marketplace. And we might have some good ideas and some structural advantages that might become um, more apparent when there are some disruptions in the market as of, you know, recently demonstrated. Now, in, in terms of who you're going to appeal to, um, Jay touched on the fact that uh, if you list on a traditional exchange as a small company, you tend to sort of get lost. Uh, and that's part of the reason why the IPO market, not, not just in the United States, but sort of globally, has been, has been shrinking for years. I saw a study by the OECD that says something like 30,000 listed companies have disappeared in the last 10 years from exchanges uh, around the world. So the IPO market's been shrinking, and insofar as it's been functioning at all, a lot of the value has been taken off the table already by private equity, which has been increasing its, its assets uh, under management. Do you think that part of your mission and, and one of the things by which you would measure success is you can reverse that, that trend for the value to be taken by, by private equity and the IPO market to sort of shrink? Yeah, I mean, if you, we've written about this uh, a few times. If you go back uh, to, to the year 2000, you had about 9,000 public companies, and now you have about half that. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, we do believe that market structure is one of them. Um, you know, obviously, BSTX is a standalone entity, can't solve everything, right? And, the, and it, it is a hot button issue for, you know, our legislative, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if authorities are the right word, but legislative uh, groups, right? You know, the Jobs Act and other things that they've done, you know, uh, reggae offerings, uh, they are definitely cognizant of the fact that, you know, IPOs and public companies are underrepresented as a percentage of the number of private companies in our country, right? You've got 12,000 companies that have passed Series D uh, who haven't gone public for one reason or another. Like I mentioned a few minutes ago, you've got 19,000 cryptos that probably would benefit themselves by you know, going from, a, uh, you know, a microscopic from an investor uh, participation perspective market to a larger market that's represented on a national exchange. Um, so, you know, and, and, you know, we 100% agree that there, that there needs improvement in market structure to encourage those companies to go uh, public. So one, one, you know, we're doing it in a couple ways, right? You know, we think that the, um, you know, uh, we think that there is benefit uh, in tokenization for these companies to bring costs down. Uh, and that's a longer term goal of BSTX. But in the interim, you know, we think just a more uh, logical uh, minded exchange for small issuers, you know, makes a ton of sense. Right. I mean, you got a ton of companies in the over counter markets that probably can meet our standards, uh, listing standards. You got a ton of companies um, that are just kind of sitting in the wings for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, in, in, in some ways, it doesn't have to actually be in uh, competition with private equity. It can be in, you know, conjunction with private equity, right? I mean, you know, if you're, if you're sitting on a cap table that's 10 years old, you know, you're probably ready to move on, right? You know, if you funded that company a long time ago. Um, so we actually talked to a lot of private equity people that are looking for a solution for less fancy companies, right? I mean, Uber... You know, uh, you know, Coinbase, these are all companies that, you know, are have big um, uh, consumer following. So they don't have any trouble getting attention at the exchange. But, you know, your, your average, uh, you know, uh, manufacturing company who sits in the Midwest, uh, you know, who hasn't gone public for whatever reason, we want to find them and explain to them why BSTX would be a great solution. So, again, we don't find it mutually exclusive. Uh, and we also find that it could be 
symbiotic benefits for small companies as we go from giving them a good home in a traditional sense, right? Competing directly with New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ, but then evolving into having tokenization, which gives additional cost savings and procedural benefits uh, as we go down the line. Um, again, that's from a, you know, uh, again, my view. So I'll, I'll turn it over to Lisa, see if she wants to add anything to that. No, you did a great job. <laughs> what that was right in the wheelhouse. He loves talking about this. So uh, yeah, I love I talking about that stuff. I really do. It's true. <laughs> Now, now, some of those those manufacturing companies in the Midwest will will possibly also be being traded on in the OTC market um, already. So, I guess you're saying that market is is of interest to you. Are you confident that the the market making uh, and other measures you're taking will start to generate liquidity in that type of stocks? But that's in the end what's going to attract them, among other things, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, listen, the market makers want more products. They want more companies, right? Because at the end of the day. Uh, market makers have an advantage. They have a priority relationship with the exchange from uh, you know uh, a, a price making uh, perspective, right? Uh, and they also get benefits, uh, economic benefits from the exchange uh, by being good actors, right? So they want more companies to trade. They don't want fewer companies. Um, you know they're highly driven by technology. So you know whether it's a soup company or a fastener company or a technology company is immaterial to them. They just want more companies to trade. Uh, and it's entirely possible that a small cap exchange, uh, the um, the spreads might be a little wider anyway, uh, which could benefit them uh, in their natural course of market making day in and day out. Uh, your your platform is a, is a private permissioned blockchain. Uh, I'm I'm right to understand you're using uh, T zero technology. Is there any other technologies which you're making use of? The, the infrastructure on the exchange is going to be familiar to, to most uh, firms. Fixed connections, we're in NY4. The matching engine is pretty straightforward. Um, the innovative piece is the blockchain, the private permission uh, blockchain network that will be managed by Tezuka. Now, something you mentioned a minute ago, Elisa, uh, uh, was the 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 DTCC, you're not going to be providing settlement and custody solutions at this point, but you're going to be allowing um, your users to choose um, even the timetable by which they settle via the NSCC and the DTC. Um, a lot of the, e, the token exchanges we talked to have been very keen to provide the settlement and custody piece as well. What was your thinking in not providing uh, the settlement custody services of your own? Yeah, early on um, when we were talking to the, the SEC, um, we had we had some other proposals that we had floated. Um, this seemed to me what the commission could get most comfortable with. And also I think the firms, it's it's something they know about, they feel secure about, they have a relationship. Um, and DTCC has been a great partner. So when we started pivoting and then we talked to um, our friends at DTCC and realized they could provide shortened settlement cycles. So at BSTX, if you put a, uh, a tab in your order, we want same day settlement. And that order is received by uh, 1130. We can match it uh, with another order with the same fixed tag on it, uh, you will be, you will have same day settlement. And the, that goes as well for 
T1 settlement as well. If we can match it um, and it meets the other parameters, you will have a shortened settlement cycle. So when we realized that DTCC could pre perform this function for us seamlessly, uh, it, was, it was kind of a no brainer. And, uh, you know, they see the changing landscape as well. And they, they have proposals to integrate blockchain and uh, enhance uh, settlement and clearing on their own. Um, and we would like to be part of that as well. And we think we will be, we'll be able to help them and they'll be able to help us in turn. So familiarity uh, was an important consideration for, for, your, for your users as well. As you, as you say, the DTCC um, are thinking about blockchain themselves. And one of the ways they're thinking about it is the smaller company sector, the privately managed um, equities and, uh, and debt as well. And they've set out their stool to create this platform, this infrastructure called, called DSM. Um, does that look like good news for you as well, given you have this relationship with them, you're looking to, to expand into that sector yourself? So if you get a DTCC infrastructure for privately managed assets, is that going to be helpful for you? Yeah, I'll start. Um, yeah, I, th I think it's great. I think it's great innovation. I think um, some of the things I've read about in their proposal are very similar to one of our earlier proposals with the ancillary record keeping and things like that. Um, yeah, I think I said before, we welcome all comers and advancements. And I, I think we can be able, we can push um, the technology forward if we do it together. Um, so yeah, there's, there's no you know, creeping on each other's turf or anything like that. I, I welcome it, MJ. I don't know if you have any differing opinions. Yeah, no, you know, I would agree. Um, the more people that are out there talking about, you know, an alternative way um, to access the capital markets um, and, you know, if we can interject uh, as a, a logical next step for these companies once they list on the digital asset exchanges, you know, I mean, this is a long game, right? I mean, look who our partners are, right? You know, we're not like a loosely funded, you know, bootstrap organization, right? You know, we're playing the long game to benefit, um, you know, the issuer and participant trading community over time. So, and that will take some time, right? I mean, the majority, you know, you probably, if you went out and did a blind survey of CFOs of small company small companies in this, in the country, I would bet 99% of them wouldn't even be aware of the alternatives that they could have with a digital ATS, right? And then much less tokenization on a major market. But I tell you what they will understand is uh, a small cap exchange where they could get a higher service level. So uh, we talked to the other ATS, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, companies, lack of a better term, all the time. Um, and, you know, we, we'd love to, you know, continue to, to partner with them to, again, not, not unlike how we do at T0, give their listed companies the next logical, uh, you know, a roadmap um, for their own capital needs. Now, um, uh, Lisa, to some extent, you, you've addressed this point already. You've, you've emphasized how keeping things familiar helps to attract um, trading houses and market makers uh, to the exchange. Now, let's imagine I am a, a trading firm. I want to connect to, to BSTX. I can settle it. Um, I can match and, uh, and settle at DTCC, but I can also use you know, fixed messages. How difficult is it going to be for me to, to connect to, to BSTX as a trading firm? Am I going to have to reconfigure my internal systems in any shape or form as well? No, you shouldn't. You should not have to. Um, that's one of the, the beauties. We're in the data centers. They're already in. They'll 
connect from their cage into our equidistant cabling cage so from a hardware and connectivity standpoint, no. As far as the matching engine, like I said, fix, everyone writes the fix. So uh, that shouldn't be problematic either. And we are not forcing anybody to use the market data blockchain. Um, it's there, we'll encourage participants to use it. Um, but if a firm's not ready or um, wants to do this in stages, they're welcome to. There's no obligation to um, read the market data blockchain. So it should be very straightforward. Um, T-Zero's got a great tech team. Uh, we have uh, employees at BSCX will help manage the process, but it should be seamless. It should be probably easier than most uh, new equity exchanges. Mm-hmm. A couple of, of final questions for you for you both. Um, one is, where, have, where has BSX got to in terms of, you know, having a pipeline of issuers and a, and a group of investors and trading firms uh, ready to do business? And um, second question is, are you actually live yet? Or uh, if you aren't, when do you expect that to happen? Perhaps I can throw that at you, Jay, first. Where have you got to in terms yeah. of the pipeline? Sure. So um, there's a series, again, because of the uh, the privilege of running a national securities exchange, it, there are a series of filings that we have to satisfy with the SEC, right? So as those are in flight, it's very uh, difficult to line up issuers to a specific date. But suffice to say, we've had, like I mentioned at the outset, both with the exchange traded fund uh, participants and the individual corporate participants. We, we have had a number of conversations, even to the point that there has been people that have come out publicly and said that how much they support the BSTX mission. Um, but in terms of, you know, uh, we aren't live yet, as you can probably guess from that answer. Um, and as far as penning a date, it really is, uh, is dependent upon uh, successful um, filing uh, of those of those certain things. And that's more what Lisa works on. So I'll just, I'll turn it over to her there. <clears throat> yeah, so the approval has um, a series of conditions that you have to meet before you launch. And we're working through those now. Some of it, you know, um, connecting to the consolidated audit trail, things like that, that we'd put on hold till we got the approval. Um, so there's certain obligations like that we have to work through, and then it will be um, a business decision, right? You, you don't launch an exchange, you know, the last week in August, for example, while everyone's at the beach. Um, so we're working through that. Uh, we're hopeful to, to launch, you know, at the, by the end of the year or early um, next year, but I don't hold me to it. Um, there are a few things that are out of our control, but, you know, the team is working hard. Um, like I said, as soon as we have a date, we will blast it uh, everywhere and uh, we'll get people lined up. So I think once we announce the date, it will be a short runway. Uh, like I said, the firms that we expect to connect to BSCX are already where they need to be. And we have a, a good tech team ready to go. Well, make sure you blast it our way at, uh, at Future of Finance. We, we'll be, It'll be our first we'll- call. We'll be following your um, your progress with with great interest. Uh, Lisa Fall and Jay Fraser, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Oh, thank you for having us. Thanks, Dominic. Appreciate it.